بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم We have completed Surah Al-Rum, Surah number 30. Inshallah, today I will summarize what we have discussed in the Surah before we begin the next Surah, which is Surah Al-Quran. We will do that, inshallah, when we reconvene in January. Surah Al-Rum comes on the back of Surah Al-Ankabut, the spider, where the theme is uh, Muslims must accept the reality of being uh, tested now and then because of their faith and their iman. And immediately after that surah, is Surah Al-Rum, the Romans referring to the uh, Romans who were there in uh, the Levant and Syria and the the eastern side of the Roman Empire in Asia Minor. So there Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us information about the principles of a dynamic civilization and these principles and usul are universal that in this surah which speaks about other other civilizations, especially the one that would eventually become dominant in the, in the West at least, that when you go out to do business with these people, or when you go out to give da'wah, then you must understand what it is they stand for, and how they see the world, and how you see you influencing them to see the world. So Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu is the reason why the first few ayat were revealed. He placed the bet with an Muslim in Mecca saying that uh, the Romans who were defeated at that time by the Persians will eventually overcome the Persians and they will be victorious which is what happened over after nine years right so this is to show us that we must read the world and the world events correctly through the lens of Iman and through the lens of the Prophet we have a way to understand the world and we have a world view that is distinctively and very obviously Muslim. Everybody in the world have their world view, but that's based on their civilizational codes and values. And Muslims have a world view represented through Abu Bakr, Allah, and then the other Sahaba. So now, the common moral values and the universal principles are mentioned in this surah, Surah Al-Rum, that... Uh, you must appreciate that these are common values, the values of the Creator, the values of the heavens and the earth being created by Allah, the values of marriage, the values of hope and fear, the values of Allah's universal rahmah, uh, which is common to all people and not human beings. 
And at the end of the surah, the value of human beings being one species, which we discussed last week, ayah number 54. The human beings as a species is one. And Allah creates these species so that they remain one and not two or three or four. So the message that uh, Allah is delivering through this surah is that human beings have a common value, and that value is tawheed, that value is the fitrah, which the surah mentions and discusses, and that uh, human beings must come to terms with the reality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists, and He is the sole uh, sovereign of the heavens and the earth, and He has created human beings from uh, one soil, okay, the dust of Adam Islam, and the soil from which he was created is basically one. From there they will disperse into different hues, different colors, different languages, and then all of that comes along with one disposition, that is the worship of one God. And that's how you see the world, this is our worldview. The world view then will either be um, will either be manifest in Tawheed and worship of one God or it will be manifest through deviations where people deviate from what is the original universal value and they commit what in our language would be bid'at innovations in religion. So you'll have different religions and so on. The Qur'an does not endorse that, the, that there are two religions for human beings as a species. We don't endorse that as pluralism. We don't believe in that, nor should we endorse it. Okay? The Qur'an says that human beings as a species is one. So the basic needs of a human being should be the same. So you need food, clothing, shelter, you need marriage, you need this, you need this. Everything is simply unified and uh, united on this principle of what the Qur'an in this surah also terms as fitrah. Your natural dispositions, primordial uh, kind of propensities that uh, human beings as a species should uh, value and then promote. If from within the species of billions of human beings, if there are some aberrations, and those aberrations lead to a different way of life and a different set of values, then they remain aberrations. They don't become part of the species, meaning they don't become part of the universal code for the species. So birds as species, they do this. And different animals as species, they do this and that. So every type of species Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created comes along with its guidance, its natural guidance. الَّذِي أَعْطَى كُلَّ شَيْنْ خَلْقَهُ ثُمْهَدَى Allah subhanahu wa says through Musa alayhi salam in front of Fir'aun. So Fir'aun is a world ruler. He's at the peak of his civilization and the glory days. And he, Musa is saying to him, Allah is my Lord, the one who has created everything. And then given everything its due course, ثُمْهَدَى Allah guides everything that he creates as a species to whatever the species needs and requires in order to survive and also to excel. <laughs> Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given human beings an order. That order is through the fitrah. This surah talks about the order that Muslims want to establish and promote in this world 
which is not based on facade, corruption, and uh, bloodshed, is not based on terror, if you want to use that word. We don't, use, we don't like using that word, but if that's what you want to call it, that's fine. But bloodshed, violence, and uh, creating chaos in the world, and facade, by greed, and through greed, by avarice, and by enmity, and by being unfaithful to the species, is not something that Muslims value. So in our worldview, we value what is good for the species uh, in totality. Not what is good for a certain culture, or a certain civilization, or a certain period of time in history. And the proof of that is in the story of Nuh, where he lived for 950 years. But the message remained the same. Invariably, after every 20, 40 years, your your societies will change, the context will change, civilizations even go through changes, and everything around you, within 40 years, will change. Where we were 20 years ago is very different from where we are today. Where we were 40 years ago is a foreign country. America 40 years ago to us, is now a foreign country. We would not be able to relate to it. We would not even belong to it. So the Quran says that, look look at Nuh, that he lived for 950 years, but the message remained the same. The message didn't change because of the context. The content remains stable, which is called the fitrah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, upon which Allah has created all human beings, as mentioned in this surah. So Abu Bakr radiallahu being the first Khalifa of the Prophet saw that there is a universal code and there is a universal understanding which is a Muslim's worldview that in the Muslim worldview anyone who comes closer to Tawheed must lead us to a better position in the world. So he saw that the Christian Romans will be victorious only because their faith, uh, to uh, compared to the Zoroastrian and the Persian faith, is much closer to the faith of Muhammad Allah granted him his bet, he won the bet, and this is how we see the surah unfolding, that when you want to create a group of leaders or a civilization that assumes leadership, that civilization must not be drawn away from its path. This is the path, the Sirat al-Mustaqim. This is the path upon which the Prophet ﷺ disciplined the Sahaba and they never swayed away from that message. The message of Tawheed, the message of Muhammad ﷺ being the last messenger, the message of the Day of Judgment and Accountability, Jannah and Jannah. This is the message, this is the straight path. If you sway away from that and you say that our mission our objective and maqsad in life is now just to make sure that everybody in this world are accommodated and everybody in this world thrive, no matter what faith they have. Now that might be, in the minds of certain people, a universal appeal, but in the minds of the prophets, Ali Musalam and the Sahaba, this was not what is good for human beings as a species because you still have to accommodate or account for what's going to happen to human beings after they die. 
then your message here, if it's only pertaining to this world, will be myopic at best, or will be half-baked at best. You don't have a complete message for all of human beings. Then look, you're going to die one day, all of you. Civilizations grow and they succeed and they die. You grow, you succeed and then you die. Human beings go through this transformation of being born in a very weak state and then they uh, assume adolescence and young uh, adulthood and they become very strong and independent and then they become weak again and then they die. This is the normal phase of a human being's life in this world. So the Qur'an's message through Surah Al-Rum is that these are the Romans and these are people who understand uh, some values that uh, you also uphold and uh, we must appreciate that this must be only half of the journey. So they may get you from A to B but they won't get you from B to C. So that much we appreciate. In our history, as a message, we must appreciate that the first people who gave Muslims asylum were the people of Habsha, the Najashi. And he was Christian. He became Muslim, mashallah, through Allah's fadl, and so on. But the first group of people who gave Muslims asylum were the Christians. The Surah Al-Rum, from the name itself, is saying that, look, if, if you find certain people giving you half of what you need, then that's better than uh, going to people who give you nothing of what you need. You meet them halfway. But the other half is where? In Muhammad wasallam. The other half is in your Islam. The other half is in your understanding of the Akhir. The other half is in appreciating that you still need to get to Jannah, even though you may have a good life here. How do you do that? By promoting the universal values that this surah promotes. The uh, usul of uh, civilization, like the essentials of a civilization, are mentioned in this surah, which we have discussed uh, over and over again. So this surah is, is recommended for those who want to understand what it takes to be a Muslim leader, because it was revealed on the back of Abu Bakr Allah's insight and his foresight and his understanding of world events. In the world events, uh, a Muslim will also want to understand how the other world in this world works. One part of our existence is this very mundane and very uh, mechanical world of the physical realm. One plus one equals two. There's another side to us in this world that every human being has. And that is his spiritual world, the world of dreams, the world where you are in a different sphere, if you like, especially when you sleep. That when you sleep, you are in a different zone and in a different sense of understanding and a, what you might call being subconscious and unconscious. That world also has a lot to do with how you are and how you live in this world without sleep, as mentioned by the Qur'an. And I also pointed that out, you will not be able to perform in the world when you wake up. You need to rest. But when you're in a state of rest, most people invariably have dreams. Everybody dreams. Some of us feel that dreams are insignificant, which might be a good way to live, so that you don't rely on dreams. 
On the other side, it might be interesting for those who have knowledge and those who want to understand that part of a human existence, as you know, human beings have a holistic uh, existence. Human beings don't have a dichotomy. That this is the spiritual world and this is the physical world, this is the world of dreams and this is the world of reality. No, it's, it's one. It's one being. It's one whole. Abu Bakr radiallahu excelled in dream interpretation. Even with the Prophet being there in front of him, he would ask the Prophet if he could interpret dreams that other Sahaba had. It was a custom of the Prophet that after Fajr, he would ask people if they had any dreams. And if they didn't, he would then mention a dream, if he had one. And if they didn't have any, that was fine too. Abu Bakr would initiate and say, I want to interpret this dream, Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet knowing that he had an understanding of the abstract, of the creative world, said, okay. And Abu Bakr would always be right. With this two-pronged approach to understanding human existence in this world, before we die, Abu Bakr became the first leader of this ummah after the Prophet his immense and profound knowledge of how to put things together, which is very obvious when you say that uh, he was able to put together this reality that the Romans will eventually overpower the Persians nine years before it happened. He forecasted this. His ability to read reality in front of him was all but prophetic. Prophets do this, and they do this through two methods. One is their own ingenious Ijtihad, and the second is Wahi itself. Abu Bakr did this through the Suhbah of the Prophet and this is the message that we receive in Surah Al-Rum, that if you want to understand world events and leadership in the world, then you must have both insights. One is the political legal, which Abu Bakr had, and the other is from the other world, which he also had. In the Quran you have a surah, which is Surah Yusuf. That surah is all based on the unraveling of a dream that Yaqub al-Islam had. And through that, Nabuwa uh, Yusuf al-Islam gained knowledge of how the world works and he gained leadership through the dream of a king. Because he was able to interpret that realm of human existence he became close to the king because the king had a dream. And as I said, everybody dreams. Because he was able to put that together, he was given this position to be a leader in a non-Muslim country. Now, I'm not saying that we go to sleep and we have dreams and we start interpreting dreams. Don't, don't do that. You'll kill yourself. If you have dreams, go to somebody who knows how to interpret If you're interested in its inter- interpretation. If you're not interested, it's fine too. It's not part of your salvational code. But what I'm saying is that the, 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 the theory of understanding how to put things together is one that is very serious. You simply cannot become like a CNN analyst to understand how the world works. That is what we call junk media. It's not serious media. You have the Qur'an, you have the universal values of Surah Rum, 
You have the Prophet ﷺ Sunnah. You have his statements. You have his predictions about what will happen to the Ummah if the Ummah does this, this and that. You have those statements. You need to incorporate those statements if you're going to understand what it takes and that to be a Muslim leader. Because a Muslim leader is significantly different from a non-Muslim leader. A non-Muslim leader, as Najashi was, may be very compassionate and give asylum to Muslims in a non-Muslim land, for which we still thank him. And here, uh, those of you who have been here long enough, know that some of our uh, works and some of our institutions uh, started where? In coordination with Christian churches, in the basement of Christian Churches. Is that true? So we must knock that. You must appreciate that this is what they did for us so that we could live and worship Allah the way we wanted to. That was very accommodating of them. Just as the seer of the Prophet started with that, the seer of Muslims in the West started with the same thing. History repeated itself. So now what's, what's A to B? That's A to B. What's B to C? Najashi accepts Islam. That's B to C. That part of the equation we overlook. And we don't give it any importance. Hey, wait a minute. I have to be here in uh, Habsha, in Ethiopia, in such a way that, uh, you know, e- even the ruler says, hey, wait a minute. There's something here that we are missing in our civilization that they have. And I want to have that. That's the rule. Once you do that, then people in uh, Egypt, even, even though they were cop. Uh, they were Coptic, the Qibti. They converted Islam eventually, even though they were Christian. Right? Muslims who became Muslim in Egypt didn't become Muslim overnight. Likewise, in Syria and Sham, where the Romans were, they did not become Muslim overnight. The, the conversion took a long, long time. Decades, if not centuries, sometimes. Likewise, we're here uh, in this country, and uh, people have given us Religious asylum in the sense that we are allowed to worship Allah and practice uh, at least our ibadat in a free environment. Allah keep it that way and give us more barakah and himmah, inshallah. But we must be uh, very careful how we read the events in the world unfolding. It's not the way the journalists want you to understand events. It's not ad hoc. There is a method. And there are foundational rules and principles with which we do not compromise, not because we are stubborn, but because that's our way. And those do not interfere with the civil rights of any non-Muslim. What we practice in Islam, the way we practice Islam in this country, is, mashallah, very humane. There's nothing violent about our five pillars. Is there? We give zakat. He said, what's violent about giving zakat? We fast. What's violent about fasting? We say we don't want anything to do with any human being when we're fasting. We're protecting them. We're protecting ourselves. We go for hajj. If anything happens, it happens there. It doesn't happen here. Right? We pray. and pray. We take time out from everything and everybody. There's nothing violent about the five pillars in Islam and that is what we need to promote through the established sunnah of the Prophet 
So when we say we want to practice Islam, we are not at all infringing upon the values of non-Muslims in any country of the world. This is a reality Surah Al-Rum brings forward. That we don't believe in that because of Islam, Fasad is now going to be prevalent. That's what the ayah says. People's actions uh, become so chaotic that they cause disturbance in the world. When we practice Islam, that does not create any disturbance at all. In fact, it enhances the environment and it creates an ambience of people who are, are serving God in the way Muhammad served God. This has to be part of our iman and our fundamental understanding of what Islam is. More than often, we promote ourselves as who we are not. Muslims are not terrorists. Come on, give me a break. Then who are you? Say what it is you are. Muslims believe in God. They believe in the Prophet Muhammad They pray, they fast, and they give alms and charity, and they go for pilgrimage. This is who Muslims are. Where is the terrorism, the violence in that? So instead of apologizing, saying this, be assertive. This is who we are. Surah Al-Rum through Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu tells us that this is what you need to do. Do we get married? Sure we do. Do you have children? Show me. So why do we get married? Because marriage is a violent institution. Why do you have children? So that we can kill them? You, you understand what I'm saying? The, the, the basic premise for a Muslim's existence is built on the foundational principle that whatever we do in the name of Islam only produces good. Khair. It is never designed to produce any shar, evil. Once you promote those values, and everybody in the world will see it. It's who you are, it's what you are. Other than those aberrations from the human species who simply don't want to see the khair in anybody. And they call each other idiots. So if you're part of a united party, and on stage you're calling each other idiots and jerks, then the proof is in the pudding. Right. Who are, what are you going to do for humanity when you can't stand each other on a national platform? Muslims stand together. When? With the Tawheed, the Risala, in Salat, in Salm, in Zakat, in Hajj. They all do things collectively together. They don't say that we are, we are here to create violence within the Masjid, or within the Haram, or in Ramadan, or when we are now giving charity to each other. We don't say to the poor person, you're a loser, but I'm going to give you money anyway. Do we say that? So when you start to analyze in your mind what is Islam, as the Prophet ﷺ defined Islam in the Hadith of Jibreel, as the five pillars. That's the only universal definition of Islam you need to know to promote Islam in a non-Muslim country. That is Dawah. Why did he give that definition? Instead of saying Islam means peace, he didn't say that. He said Islam means five pillars. This is what we do. Now tell me which part of any of the five pillars is violent, or is extremist, or is going to create terrorists in the country. So what, what, we, what we must appreciate is that Islam has a world view, and others have a world view. Islam promotes salvation. What is the meaning of salvation? 
What is our vision? That we want all human beings to be saved from damnation. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? What is it? We don't want anyone to be hurt. Right? The lowest branches of Iman. That we're going to remove anything that harms anybody from the footpath, from the road. You see something that's going to harm somebody as part of your Iman, you remove it. This is what the Prophet said is the lowest branch of Iman. Now, when we say that we want to save people from damnation on the Day of Judgment before they get there, then is this a good thing or a bad thing? Is that violence? Is that terrorism? Is that being backward? Is that being progressive? That's what we must appreciate within ourselves before we promote these values, universal values to other people, that we, by definition, are benefactors to ourselves and to other people without necessarily saying that everybody else in the world is damned. Right. When Jafar, radiallahu gave his speech in front of Najashi in Habsha, did he say to Jafar, to, to Najashi, you're going to hell? I don't think so. Do we need to do that here? No, I don't think so. And I, I believe that uh, through this surah, surah to rule, we can make such an impact as to who we are and not apologize for who we are not. You can't start a conversation by apologies. I'm sorry that I'm a Muslim and I don't believe in what the terrorists are. That's called being a coward. That is cowardly. What you say, I am a Muslim and I believe in this, this isn't that. That's what, La ilaha illallah is now an affirmative statement. Muhammad Rasulullah is an affirmative statement. So we go with the code of being affirmative and not some, some, some species that is undignified and passive where we don't need to apologize. The way Abu Bakr did not apologize in Mecca to the mushrik who said, you people are wrong. See where your God is taking you. Here, see, the, the God of uh, the Persians is in line with our God and our gods. And the God of uh, the, the, the Romans is in line with your God. And he's making sure that both you and they are losing. Abu Bakr, this is nonsense. Abu Bakr said, this is nonsense. God is not in your hands. God has an agenda that only he controls. But the way I see Allah and the way I see my God is that uh, he will give victory to those who believe in him. And he will defeat those who don't believe in him. This is how the world works. That was his insight and foresight. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now honored him and made it become true. Likewise, if we have the same level of conviction about who we are, Allah will honor us. So there's much more than hope. There's iman. Hope is something that every human being may have, may not have, right? Fear is something that human beings have, they don't have. Iman is something that only a believer has. It's much stronger than hope and fear. So you believe in Allah. And when you believe in Allah, this is what happens. You read this surah. And you see the amazing insights as to how the world works. This is our understanding how the world works in this surah. This is our understanding. Now, CNN will differ and they should. But we should say we don't care. If they have freedom of speech, we have freedom of speech also. We should use the same rights that everybody in this country claims that is for all people in this country. Take that challenge up and stand firm 
inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us immense barakah and success. The key is that we must be very positive about Iman and Islam. When we are positive about Iman and Islam, what happens? The third phase, which is Ihsan. Without Islam and Iman, the third phase, which is beauty and excellence, it doesn't happen. Muslims want everything to be nice and pretty and beautiful and excellent, but they don't have Iman and they don't have Islam. Iman and Islam comes with a conviction, not just actions. It is from here, from within. Abu Bakr read reality, and he saw in Allah that Allah's father is going to be with those who are close to him. So he spoke it with immense conviction. To the degree that he placed a bet. He placed a bet with an unmushrik in Makkah when there was apparently no sign whatsoever of Islam gaining any momentum. At the time of Hijrah, there were but a hundred people who accept Islam. That's at the time of Hijrah. But how did Abu Bakr see this? Abu Bakr's insight came from being close to the Prophet. This is our understanding of Islam. That is the exact understanding that Abu Bakr has and the, the Khulafa had. Now, things will change in the world. Politics will demand that this changes, this changes, that your economy will demand this change. But your iman doesn't change. You still believe in Allah, you still believe in Muhammad, you still believe in the Akhirah. What you have to do is you have to negotiate now all the changes in the world just as you negotiate your allergies, all your seasonal allergies. The allergies, the allergies of human existence. That is what's supposed to happen. This is how Allah creates the world. And this is how he creates human history within the confines of time and space. And the message here at the end is uh, uh, very clear. The last time. The last time. Yeah. Yeah. Line number 60. فَاصْبِرْ إِنَّ وَعَدَ اللَّهِ حَقْ وَلَا يَسْتَخِفَّنَّكَ الَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ وَلَا يُقِرُونَ Those who don't have certainty, they should not now dilute your iman and your faith in Allah. Yeah. That's the message. That if, if we can appreciate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to remain firm, be convinced that He is Allah and the Rasul is the Rasul and the Akhir is the Akhir, then we negotiate our ethics and behavior our stands and our positions and whatever we need to do in order to exist and coexist, then that is sabr, fasbir. That is our sabr. Once we go about it through the way of the Sharia, then Allah's wa'ada, Allah's promise is true, inna wa'adullahi haq. So Allah's promise is true. It will come true as long as we remain true to Allah and His Rasul and the deen of Muhammad this was just to summarize this, this surah in the context of what's happening today to us, not only in the U.S., but also throughout the world. And Jazakumullah uh, Khair for coming. Hopefully we'll reconvene in January, the first Sunday of January, Bidinnah. And uh, as with last week, we do have an important announcement. Inshallah, hopefully you'll honor us and humor us with that appeal also.